Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. And accounts have been frozen and more accounts will be frozen. Small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views. The big news yesterday, federal court justice Richard Mosley responding to Justin Trudeau and Christy Freeland's invocation of the Emergencies Act, saying, I have concluded that the decision to issue the proclamation does not bear the hallmarks of reasonableness, justification, transparency, and intelligibility, and was not justified. He rules that charter rights were violated. So what happens next? Christy Freeland says they will be appealing the ruling. Will they be successful in that appeal? And if not, what redress happens? Is there a rewriting of laws? Is there a punishment meted out to the politicians? Those 200 people at their bank accounts frozen, do they get some sort of settlement? Christine Van Gein joining us now, litigation director at the Canadian Constitution Foundation, one of the organizations that brought the case forward alongside the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. Good morning, Christine. Great to have you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. What does this ruling mean? So I think that the long-term implications of this decision are that it acts as a restraint on future governments that will, you know, it gives teeth to those guardrails that are in the Emergencies Act that are supposed to prevent this legislation from being abused, which frankly is what the Trudeau government did in this case. So I think that the most important consequence of this decision is that it will restrain future governments from trampling on the rights of people who are protesting peacefully about a domestic issue. I thought it that I, I can't overstate how important that is that we don't use emergency legislation to shut down protests. Now I, I take all of that, but in advance of the EA Act being brought in, we had voices like Perrin Beattie, who was in part the architect of this current E-Act, saying the whole rewriting of it decades ago was to do exactly what you're saying, Christine, and yet we still got to this point. So I think there's going to be some some frustration about that as well. If, he's absolutely right. The rewrite of the Emergencies Act was, it was replacing the War Measures Act, which most Canadians no, was a piece of legislation that had been badly abused by previous governments. It was used to intern Japanese Canadians. It was used during the October crisis, the FLQ crisis, which, to be frank, was a, I mean, that was a real crisis. But right. the implications of using the Emergencies Act, it, or sorry, the, the War Measures Act in that case, it went too far. And and yet that was a much more severe situation than we saw. That wasn't bouncy castles. That was there 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 was at least one person who was murdered during that. Yeah, there was a targeted assassination of a federal cabinet minister and it was unknown how many hardened terrorist cells were operating in Canada. So it really was a dangerous situation. Uh if, I mean you compare that to this case where the finding of fact by the federal court was that the only 
potential for violence during this uh, protest was in Coots and in, in Coots, Alberta, where arrests were made using the, the criminal code by the RCMP. No special powers were needed. And the that that incident, which was the only threat of serious violence, I mean, it was resolved as the Emergencies Act was being declared. And one of the parts of the threshold of invoking an emergency is that you can't address a situation with existing law. Right. And clearly existing law was used to address the most serious uh, part of the protest. Christine, the Canadian Constitution Foundation that you're with bringing this case forward initially, Christy Freeland says they will be appealing it. Uh, tell us what that appeal process means and what role uh, your organization would be playing in that. So my immediate response is bring it on. This is a extremely detailed and well-reasoned decision and includes findings of fact, like that one that I just mentioned about the only specific example of a threat of serious violence was in Coots. That's a finding of fact that is incredibly difficult to set aside. So what the court, what the, what the government will need to do is show that there's an error in law and given the extensiveness of these reasons, I think they're going to have a challenge with that. And the other thing is they seem to be really emphasizing this strange interpretation of the Emergencies Act. Christia Freeland mentioned it yesterday again, this notion that uh, the term, which is a defined term in the Emergencies Act, threat to the security of Canada. Christy Freeland sort of suggested it has a myriad of meanings, including economic harm. And she said that again yesterday. And this is just not true. Economic harm, well, of course, serious. We, we don't want economic harm to our country. But it does not constitute a threat to the security of Canada in the terms that set out in the Emergencies Act. This, the statute has clear definitions. And if you just think through what it would mean to say that a threat of economic harm is a national a threat to the security of Canada, that would mean labor disruptions or strikes right. could cause the invocation of the Emergencies Act, something I think all of us would find highly troubling. And it's clearly not what was meant here. The, the, the legislation had very clear definitions imported into it from the CSIS Act. And the law says what it says. And whatever Christine Freeland wants to believe, it just doesn't it doesn't change the fact that the words are what they are in the statute. We're joined now by Christine Van Gein, litigation director at the Canadian Constitution Foundation. When it comes to economic harms, hundreds of people having their bank accounts frozen, and as as Justice Mosley writes, some of them in a position where they couldn't really support their families because of that, these seem to be the most tangible harms against a person. Uh, Christine, we know that if uh, if a government employee loses a USB key, that has your personal information on it, those people, and maybe nothing even happens with that, You're not your identity isn't stolen, but it was potentially happening, you can be part of a class action lawsuit, you can get a little bit of a payout. Um, is there going to be something like that here? Because obviously the, the harms were much broader and potentially broader for people with their bank accounts frozen. If the ruling is that their charter rights were violated, if you are someone who, who falls under the catchment of having had your charter rights violated, do you have redress now? So I'm not an expert in this area, but the general principle is that you can sue for um, uh, unconstitutional executive action. So, you know, police brutality is a classic example. Okay. The regulations under the Emergencies Act were executive. They were These were regulations created by cabinet and they were found to be charter violations. 
specifically with reference to the bank accounts, it was a violation of the right to be free from unreasonable search and seizure because your banking information, it's about, you know, it goes to your biographical core. It tells people that the government sees what's in your bank account. It They know about your, you know, your, your financial socioeconomic status. They will know about your lifestyle choices. It's very personal information. Right. I mean, frankly, I don't want my husband looking at my credit card statement, let alone the government. <laughs> so it, 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 that's a privacy violation. But there's also this um, actual cost associated with having your bank account frozen. So if someone, for example, uh, it compromised a business loan, um, you know, and you and you lost your business because you were not able to make payments on your business loan uh, because your bank account was frozen. That's a real intangible damage. So, I'm, I mean, look, I'm not an expert in this area. We don't do that type of litigation at my organization, but I can see this case being made out. But to be successful, what you really need to show is is actual damages and you need to make sure that your co- your legal costs of bringing the claim would exceed um, whatever your payout would be. So I think you'd have to have a pretty um, severe case in order to have make it worth bringing a claim. Uh, having your account frozen for a, a few days and having a privacy violation, while sure you could sue, you might not recoup more than you spend to bring the claim. But look, this isn't my area of law at sure, all, sure. so this is kind of um, high-level generalized principles. Yeah, but definitely where people are thinking right now in terms of what happens next. Christine Van Gein, Litigation Director at the Canadian Constitution Foundation. Thanks very much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And uh, Christine's organization was one of the ones that brought the case forward to the federal court, along with the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, to say that this invocation of the Emergencies Act was wrong. And now we have the federal court saying it was wrong. It was not justified, and people's charter rights were violated. So again, you support or oppose the convoy, you were in favor or against the mandates. I don't think that's the question here. I think the question here is, do we want the government to have that ability? As Christine says, should they be able to freeze your bank account if you're a public sector union doing a protest? Uh, because Christy Freeland's saying, oh, it's about you know economic issues and so forth. That's what justified it. So definitely, we're going to need to see some changes, some redress. What that is, well, the conversation continues.